This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Shut up and sit down. Hey everybody, Adam and... Frank tonight here with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. We have Aaron Blisey of the Fall podcast on uh, on tonight, but you know we've been sitting here talking to him for the better part of two and a half hours, and I would say a case of beer. I'm looking at <laughs> 15, 20 beer cans here in front of Frank and I. And uh, we've just been having a great time cutting up, trying to figure out, <laughs> you know, kind of feeling out how we're going to do this podcast. Now, Aaron is not just from the Fall Podcast. His um, pedigree is so great that I can't even introduce him properly. So, Aaron, how are you doing tonight? And give us a little background of, like, who you are, what you do, and what we're going to talk about tonight. Man, I don't know if I can really talk to what you just the intro you just gave me honestly but i will start with thank god i'm at home because i'd be blown in the low twos right now because of how many beers i've had <laughs> so <laughs> no um yeah my name is aaron blicey you know i i grew up here in central michigan and uh mount pleasant area to be exact and i work at a company called rusted rooster media slash be alive inc um for more for other people that have you know watched outdoor television, I have worked for the last seven years with Chris and Casey Kiefer, the Kiefer brothers, and um, you know I went to college over on the west part of the state, you know in Big Rapids, Michigan. I uh, went to Fair State University for a degree in television and digital media productions, and uh, I took an internship with Chris and Casey and Jason Brown over there at Rusted Rooster and. And uh, the rest is history, basically. Kind of in a nutshell, what I do with them is I'm their executive producer. So um, 
I follow them on Dropped and Rival Wild, and I edit their show, produce it, and uh, film it as well. So on a day-to-day in the fall, I'm with Casey, you know, over his shoulder all the time, filming him and uh, just producing the show, Rival Wild. You know, it's our Midwest Whitetail show um, and turkey show, and uh, that airs on the Sportsman Channel. So in a nutshell, that's kind of me and and, uh, what I do on a day-to-day. And so we've been sitting here for, you know, this whole time kind of like going back and forth about, you know, our experiences and as, you know, Frank and I are more of a public land, grassroots type hunting show, whatever we are, um, you know, our experiences are, are one way. And then for yourself, you know, you've grown up hunting a, a singular property and then you're working in the the hunting industry on these big leases and so we've been kind of going back and forth about private land public land and and all that and we're definitely going to uh, come together on another podcast and kind of like talk that whole thing out um, but today what I want your insight on is the filming aspect from someone that's either a trying to get into the industry or b just trying to share their experiences from the get-go so how did you start out with filming and decide to to transition down this path that's taken you you know all of these places and through these experiences yeah so i mean growing up you know just like a lot of people or a lot of kids you know growing up my dad was the he was my mentor he was the integral part of getting me into the outdoors and i would i've been spoiled you know you talk about the public and private land i've been able to hunt a big track of private land my whole life you know that's been in my family and my dad since a little you know since i was a little tiger i mean he took me on my first rifle hunt when i was 3 years old he took me out my first opening day and he said there was one rule you have to sit all day opening day. That's our rule. And I'm like, oh, I can do it. You know, like that's not me remembering it. That's him telling me the story, you know, because I mean, three years old, how much do you really remember? Um, <laughs> but that was that was the deal. Like and that that's what started the, the tradition in the Michigan tradition was, you know, I'm going to be part of one of the guys, you know, as I got older is like I'm going to be part of deer camp and one of the boys if I can last all day on opening day. And I never did. My dad would always tell me, you know, you'd be, you'd be sleeping by 10 o'clock in the morning, you know? And as I got older, I, I can't remember what the age I was at, but I was seven, eight, eight years old, maybe. Um, he had shot a buck actually opening morning when I was sleeping and I never woke up. And <laughs> my, my wife could vouch for this too, because I am the hardest, heaviest sleeper. And I mean, you'd have to come in and literally punched me in the face to get me up out of bed probably which is 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 a bad thing because he's going to do good <laughs> thank god i got a i got a good watchdog that uh lets me know what comes into my house so um but yeah i mean that's kind of how it started and uh 
you know, my dad took me on my first bull hunt when I was eight. I, I, I couldn't hunt when I was eight, you know, because uh, in Michigan law, you, you couldn't bow hunt until you're 12. Right. Um, 12. Yeah. And now it's since changed. Hell, I don't even know what the rules are now. I think you can, as long as you're with an adult, I mean, I think you could probably bow hunt or rifle hunt when you're eight, I think, or something like that. Um, I'm assuming that's true. Yeah. And uh, he took me, I remember the hunt like it was yesterday. It was a morning hunt. Um, he set a tree stand above him, you know, and this is before filming was really big. I mean, you know, I grew up on the real tree and the Drury's and the Primos guys, you know, Will Primos and they were my idols, you know, and, um, he would go up and he made these homemade tree stands heavier than a son of a bitch. They were just, (laughs) I mean, I still have some and I'm like, how the hell did you do a hang and bang with these things? He's like, we didn't, you know, we hunted one stand our whole life, you know? And uh yeah, put it up there and man, it's exactly there. grown into the tree still to this day. Yeah, right. <laughs> Chained in <Yep>. there. <laughs> so what he would do is, you know, there was no safety harnesses back then. He would he took a, a seat belt out of his old pickup and he would set me on the platform and let my feet hang down to you know head level where he was at. And he would strap me so tight to that tree that I wouldn't fall out. And uh you know, that morning, well, we went hunting the night before, and, and it was the rut, so I got to see a buck chasing a doe, and I actually got to see my first fox, and I remember the fox running right by the stand and everything. It was a really cool memory. Well, he goes, well, we're going to go hunt in the morning. I want to teach you how to grunt. So he gave me a grunt tube and, and taught me and everything. So fast forward, we go in the morning, and, and he told me, he's like, every time I hit your, hit your foot, I want you to grunt. And uh, he'd hit my foot, and I'd, I, and I'd grunt. And uh, he hit my foot again, and I grunt. And I'm not kidding you. It was the, you know, the picture-perfect morning. It was frost on the ground, leaves are cracking, calm as could be. And all of a sudden, all I hear is, ch, ch, ch. And I'm like, oh, boy, here comes the turdy pointer. You know, like, here comes the big daddy. (laughs) And uh, I remember, just like it was yesterday, there was this pine tree at about 18 yards in front of us. And, uh... I could see the feet of the deer coming behind that pine tree and he stuck his head out around and it was a, it was a nine point and by inches terms, I mean, it was a giant to me, but it was like, it's still on the wall of our deer camp right now. It might've touched 70 inches, but it was the biggest deer of my whole life. And, um, he comes right in and my dad lays the hammer on him with his, you know, his uh, Miles Keller bow from 1978 with his Zawicki broadheads and his his TM Hunter rest that, you know, when you pull it back, it sounds like a damn jet going off. And, um, you know, and the deer ran about 18 yards and died. And he told me, he's like, you jumped out of the tree stand, basically, and yelled as loud as you could because we just shot a buck. And, you know, ever since then, I, I kind of, I, I remember that. And ever since then, I knew I kind of wanted to do something with hunting in in the outdoors because that's how it was all, that was what it was about. That was like what gave me a rush. And fast forward, you know, it's when I was 16, um, I borrowed uh, my dad's, you know, really good friend and kind of a second father to me. Um, He's part of our deer camp as well. Just uh, his name is Greg Clark. And I borrowed his video camera and I asked my best friend, he's like, you want to go out and I want to, I want to shoot a deer on camera. And he's like, really? Like this was before, like nobody did this, you know, like this was never even a thought. 
And I think the reason why I wanted to do it is because of everything I see on TV. I didn't know how to hang a tree stand, like two tree stands, what the setup was. And he goes, what's the odds of you shooting a deer tonight? I said, really good, because I'm going to shoot whatever comes in. And he goes, let's do it. So we went out there. I shot a doe that night, and um, I was I was in high school, and my video productions teacher at the time said, "Well, why don't you, why don't you edit that up for a project and put it on the announcements for the high school to see?" And I'm like, "Well, we can do that. Like that's like that's acceptable right now. Now of this day and age, that high school would probably be shut down for showing that. <laughs> but back then, it was like the, like it was okay. So I got to do that, and then." I've got a really cool response from all my friends and, and peers and, and classmates and stuff like that. And ever since I was 16, I can tell you that that's when I wanted to run a camera. I want to do something in the hunting industry with a camera and I was going to do anything I could to, to do that. And, uh, when I went to college, I knew that television and digital media productions was, was what I wanted to do. And, um, I went through the program at Cent- or uh, not at Central. I'm sorry, but at Fair. St- I went through the program at Fair State, and and uh, then I found Chris and Casey and Jason, and did an internship with them, and the rest is history, as the long form goes. <laughs> so, for I guess let's just say the let's let's talk to the 16 year old you that lives in today's day and age with YouTube and and everything. Um, would you go about it the same way or do you think things have changed from that time till right now? Um, I mean, I think a lot of things have changed as far as the way that we look at deer hunting now. Uh, we briefly talked about it, you know, off record when we were saying, you know, everything comes down to inches now, which is, you know, I've got sucked up into it. Everybody has, you know, and it's hard it's hard to get away from it because it's just everything you hear. How many inches was the deer? How many, you know, it's like, you know, that really doesn't matter. But from a filming perspective, things have changed a lot. I mean, the camera that I used back then when I was 16 was probably a $700 camera. Now it's probably a $150 camera, you know, and it was SD, you know, four by three. There was no 1080 back then, you know, and it it was the fact that uh you know that was a big deal like that was your big shoulder rig cameras that are now 15 to 20,000 dollar camera rigs you know um now i think with the technology out there people can get into this industry as i'll call it and do the filming thing at a lot cheaper and be just as effective i always say like I get a lot of questions about like, what camera do I need to buy? Like how much money do I need to spend? And I kind of revert back to like, you don't really need to spend a lot of money. You need to have that story first. It needs to be the story, you know, and the video quality is great. Don't get me wrong and be very cinematic. And now the big things, 4k and 8k and like, you know, streaming and digital and HD and frame rate, like slow motion and drone shots and all that stuff. And it's like, that stuff's all in great, but how well is your story? Can you tell a compelling story? Because that cinematic stuff really doesn't mean much if you just don't know how to produce it and tell a story, if that makes sense. Now, it does. the big thing for me is like, 
if you want to go out and buy a camera, go out and buy a $200, $250 camera and tell the best possible story with that camera that you can tell. Because the thing is, is like when you see guys, you know, the high end guys, you know, the producers of the world, and I'm, I'm not one of them higher than, you know, me, like way higher than me. And they're going to be like, they're going to look at this and be like, man, the human element in this and the story that this guy's telling is going to overpower the quality of it in my eyes by tenfold. Because the thing is, is like, if you can take a camera that is, like I said, $250 and go and tell the most compelling story about a public land hunt or whatever it is, the quality of that, it, yes, there. I should back up and say there is a quality aspect where, you know, composition and, and all that stuff that it does come into play. But, you know, look at the guys out there like, the hunting public guys, you know, when you watch their stuff and I don't mean this in a bad way because I love watching their stuff. It, 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 it hooks me, attracts me, but their, their quality, like their, their production quality is like not top end by any means, you know? And, and I'm not trying to say that. And like I said, in a bad way, but they have a niche and they know how to produce it and they know how to produce a story. And they're using, you know, little cameras that are, you know, eight, nine hundred dollars. Now I know that sounds like a lot, but in the grand scheme of things, there's cameras. I mean, we use cameras that are fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. You know, and they're telling just as a compelling story as we are, with half the price of of the equipment they're using, and they have a niche right now that is just, I mean, booming because of the public land surge that everybody's on right now. Um, I, I think I kind of went down a rabbit hole there, but. I guess what I'm trying to say is is get that story out there first. What is that story and use whatever you can to tell that story and then you will grow with it. Do you so, think because you know, you have to produce a show every week or every two weeks or whatever it is, you know, you have to have that, you know, is that that much more pressure? I mean, it, you know, you have to put this product out there. I think, I I think that there is some truth to that. You know, there, uh, you know, you're my in my world. I'm always dealing with deadlines. There's always deadlines, and you and right. your back's always kind of right. against the wall with the that's network. What that's what I was trying to say. You know, I mean, is that is that what you know is that what brings this forth? You know what I mean to us? Well, you know, or what? you know, a lot of the digital guys, and and, I, and I'll say the hunting public again because they do put out an episode a week you know, throughout the year, they are semi-live. Right. Same with like a Midwest whitetail. They're semi-live. So what they film, you know, the last 11 days is going to be put out right now. For us, we film the fall. So the last, this last deer season that we just came off of, I'm editing that show right now to air for Q3 and Q4, which starts around July 4th. So Mm -hmm. I have basically from January 1st until July, or end of June to get shows done. Now, right. I, w- I want to be ahead. You always try to be ahead, but as an editor and a lot of editors that might be listening to this, you know, you get in, when you get into the edit bay, things seem to take a little longer sometimes. And I'm right. the first one to say, in my opinion, you know, 
vertical hunting shows are some of the hardest shows to produce and edit. And I'm not just saying that because I do it, but I'm just saying like when you see a rival wild show, everything besides the graphics, I do all of that. Like from A to Z, the, the sound design, the color, the rough cut, the final cut and the final mix, you know, all of that, except the graphics, you know, all of that right. stuff is done by one guy. Now, when you go to a mainstream show, let's say like a planet earth or something on travel channel or hell, the bachelor, like when you, when you see those shows, you're having two, three, four different editors working on one show. You know what I mean? Right. So it's alleviating mm-hmm. a lot of that pressure, you know? So yes, the pressure is, is definitely a, a uh, factor in it. But with the time that I have, like I have a couple months that I can get things done. Now these guys, on the other hand, yes, like, you know, like I said, I'm not downplaying the hunting public at all. They have a great thing going, but they do have some, a little bit of pressure because they do have some partners that they have to, you know, please and viewers that they have to please. So right. as Aaron Warbritton might be just getting in from a hunt, he's editing that night all night, probably, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know those guys personally, right. but I just know from experience. Cause we've done that in the past too, with social content. So it's like, late hours, you know, d- dumping footage at night. You're always the last one to go to bed and usually try to be the first one to get up, you know, because when you have a hunter that you're trying to film, you don't want to be the guy that's like holding that hunter back. He's got a job to do. You got a job to do. Right, right. So don't be a thorn in his ass or her ass that's like holding them back. So the way I approach that as well is like, you know, double the scent, double the noise. You want to act as once. You have to hunt like your hunter. You know, you have to think like your hunter as well. Even though if you don't hunt when you're on your own, like that guy, you have to adapt to that, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Oh, 100%. But I just want to take it back, like, just, like, one, like, little step. Because, like, one of the things that you had mentioned was, like, the quality, right? Yep. So... So for me in what we do, and I, I find this like, it's like paradoxical. Um, and I don't know why, I don't know why that I viewed it this way. And I don't know why that it's like, it's like, uh, I was thinking about it today before we like, we're going to have this podcast, but like to me, one of the major questions that I have, and I think like a lot of the viewers, listeners, whatever will have is that, okay, so to put out a podcast, when I decided that I was going to do a podcast, I listened to guys that had like way more information than me on um, like prepping or like guns. We had a, we had a discussion like prior to the podcast, like where, I love bow hunting and I don't care for rifle hunting. I'm a very like super passionate about guns. Yep. Um, so I'd listen to podcasts about guys that like were preppers or that like were, were having, you know, that were in special forces or things like that. And there were guys, there's a guy like the podcast that's down in Florida and Georgia and they sound like they're like, both recording like with like their iPhone headset in their bathtub <laughs> yep. and they have more, they have more information than I could ever like possibly quantify. 
but I just couldn't listen to it. And there were these two guys in Utah who didn't know shit about anything. They owned three guns between them, but the one guy worked at a TV studio and their production quality was amazing. So I was able to listen to it. So when I started up the podcast, I was like, audio quality is going to be paramount. And it seems, I mean, and to me, to put put it all together, like pretty simple to put out a, a, a decent thing because it's like one-dimensional or two-dimensional. Um, and we kind of talked about this before the podcast. So to put out a good audio product that you're going to listen to in your car or on a set of headphones at the gym or something like that, that was my main focus. Now, as soon as you shift that over into video, video, right. then everything goes to shit because <laughs> you can get a 1080 camera at the grocery store in the checkout lane and you can get a 4K camera and then you can get a $20,000 4K camera. So... For a guy that's just starting out, or someone that says, like, Us. I, "I think, Us. I think I can do better." Like, so let's say that I, let's say that I watch your show, and I'm like, "That doesn't represent like who I am. I want to do a better job." Like Frank talked to um, Dean, or uh, um, oh gosh, Canadian Canadian Whitetails, Dean Partridge. So he talks to him at ATA. Uh, Dean's out there smoking a cigarette. He walks out there and, and he says, "I walked up to him, man. I walked up to the dude and he goes, Dean, how's it going?'" He goes, shakes my hand. You know, I said, "Frank Agbert, you know, Muskegon, Michigan." You know, and he goes, he starts talking to me. You know, and we're out there. This is outside, you know, and the whole thing started like ten years ago. He said, and it was a bet. You know, the dude, the one dude lives in a in a shack in Saskatchewan with no water, no heat, none of that stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, he's, it's, he's off the grid. And he said, if we can't make a better video, you know, than what we, they got a, they got a satellite TV and they saw some stuff from, from, you know, down here, outdoor shows. He goes, if we can't make a better product, Nick, he says, I can't believe it. They started 10 years ago. He says, here you go. And and they've been doing it for ever since. Yep. You know what I mean? It's just, it's unbelievable. But, but for that guy, for the, for the guy that says, like, I want to put out something that represents, you know, what I'm doing right now, because I don't see anything out there or, you know, I, I want to, I want to tell my story. Like, what are the things that are most important? Like I said, because like for me, like listening to podcasts, I was like, if I'm going to put out a podcast, if I'm going to start this, this is what needs to be my standard. And so with the age of YouTube and everything like changing, you know, I mean, you referenced um, the hunting public, the hunting public uses like a different format than like a TV show. A TV show is 21 minutes or so. And you have to, like, fulfill your sponsor's needs. You have to tell your story. You have to do all that. And as an editor, you have to put all that. So when you see the hunting public, the hunting public says, well, we're just going to tell this story and we're going to, 
do it our way. They still have their sponsors. They still have their viewers. They still have their story. And another one that I would say like that, that John and I uh, gravitate towards is born and raised and they do the same thing, you know, but they don't. And you and I had talked about this like a little bit, but they don't have the shot where necessarily they're putting on their boots and they're waking up and showing the the coffee pot start up or the alarm clock go off or like whatever. So for that guy that wants to tell their story from their perspective and they're just starting out and they're saying like, well, I'm going to do this my own way. Like what are the most important things and how much does that that variance between sounding like you're in a bathtub or being able to listen to it, how does that translate into video? Well, I think a lot of it is, you know, the hunting public and let's say what we do, at the end of the day, they're getting the same end goal. Like, no matter how they get there, it's two different paths. You know what I mean? Like, Rival Wild is more like a cinematic, slower storytelling, like, you know, production that it's it's told in a certain way that's more like on a tripod, a camera on a tripod, and more of like a very movie-esque kind of feel. Now, like with the hunting public, they are more like a vlog style. So vlogs are huge right now. You know, like that YouTube version of a vlog. It's where, you know, basically the selfie stick, you know, and... And people are engaging with the the hunting public guys as they're talking to the camera and and being, you know, a vlog. That's what a vlog is, a selfie. And, you know, it's unique in the same way as, like, when you get that vlog style and you see that person's hand extended out holding that camera, it relates to a lot of what a lot of blue-collar people out there do. And it's like everyday use. It's like, okay, this guy is actually like doing this all himself and it's raw and dirty and like, I can do this. So you make people feel like you can do this. Like in some ways, you know, we as like in shooting Rival Wild, we might shut a few people off by thinking like, oh, this is way too cinematic for me or like a Heartland Bowhunter, you know, it's the same way. You know, they have very cinematic footage and, and a feel and a production to it. And it's very effective to, a, to a, a lot of people. But some people, I think it might, you know, shut them off. But like, you know, it's great content and it looks beautiful, but it's like, that's just not how I hunt. You know, that's not how I see the fall or see hunting season. You know, with the hunting public guys, they are doing something that us three can do, you know. More down to more earth. More down to earth. More... Exactly. And I don't want to use the term dumbed down because it's not I, that sounds yeah. bad, huh? but it's like they're using a niche that's more relatable. Um, and I think the first thing to think about is like, what are you like? You know, if if your thing is Michigan Deer Camp and that's your authentic or authentic authentic, yeah, sure that word. <laughs> I think you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, you know, go with that. You know, show the deer camp life, but show it in a way as far as like 
not just putting a camera on a tripod and dead rolling from the balcony of the cabin, looking down on guys right. playing cards. Take the camera right. in a vlog style and a selfie, and be like, "Hey guys, you know I'm here at Deer Camp, and you know we're drinking beers and playing euchre, and and this is Deer Camp, and you know and doing your thing." And that selfie style is like gonna draw a lot of people in, you know. And it's just like, you know, we talked about earlier the white tail adrenaline guys and and uh, Jared Scheffler, you know, they do a lot of riding around in a minivan, you know, with a point of view camera looking back at them. But it's like their conversation and their character and how they portray that it's it's authentic and it's engaging. Because it's like nobody else really does this. Nobody shows this stuff. Nobody shows around that they hunt in a minivan around in Kansas and hunt with a longbow on the ground. You know what I mean? It's it's like different. But a lot of public land and a lot of, you know, I say blue-collar guys, but everyday guys that work 40-hour-a-week jobs relate to that, you know, and they, they might be more drawn to that as well. Hopefully that answers your question. Um you know, at the end of the day, we're trying to get to the same end goal, but there might just be different avenues to get to that. And you got to figure out right. what the avenue is. So you, so you're looking at, at at maybe the guys that are in camp. You know, I mean, they they might shoot a chipmunk with their bow or something like that. Yep. You know, and the guy says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa that's cool as shit." You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> you know, and that's what we do. You know what I mean? That's the kind of thing, you know, red squirrels, chipmunks, you know, whatever, you know. You know, that's the kind of thing that goes on, you know, all day long, you know. People miss that, I think, you know. But there's a... They miss the whole, the whole concept of the king, right. you know. But there's a difference you know, in me it, just, like, holding a camera at you, Frank, and you pulling back and shooting a chipmunk and then, right. and then stop I recording. Understand. Now, if you take right. that camera and flip that baby around and you, right. and, and you see me talking to the camera with you full draw behind it shooting a chipmunk, <laughs> right. it's got a totally different feel to it. You know, exactly. so you, you got to find that flow and find that you know, the niche and the authenticity, I think I said it right. <laughs> what, right. what, you what, did that <laughs> what you're about <laughs> find that and really hit that home. You know, there's a lot of guys out there. The thing is with YouTube, there's so many, there's so many platforms out there now where people can just put their content for free. You know, you've got right. Facebook, you've got Instagram, you've got, you know, Twitter in some aspects, but you've got YouTube and there's Vimeo and there's carbon TVs and there's, MOTVs, you know what I mean? And there's so many different places to put it. And it's like, how do you, you know, how do you get the right message across? And everybody's the same out there, it seems like. So who are the guys that are standing out and what are they doing differently? Because let's be honest. I mean, when you watch outdoor television, you're not going to change the in the tree stuff. Like it's going to be the same, no matter what you do. Every absolutely, everybody tries to do it a little different, but it's always the same. It's always the guy over the shoulder, you know. Yeah, and <laughs> you're looking at him; he's looking at you. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know, what I mean, it's like it's like they see the guys on their phones and yeah. shit. You know, and they're going like, you know, yep. how many hours can I sit here and looking at my phone? Right. You know. And and the big thing with Rival Wild and and what we want to do with Chris and Casey and Rival Wild is. Think about when you watch outdoor television and when you see a hunt unfold or maybe you see someone talking in the tree, all you're seeing is that that little perspective. Really, it's really little. Right. And 
when I put my viewer hat on, when I'm not producing, I'm like, okay, what do I want to see? I want to see the 30,000 foot view. I want to see where this guy's hunting. I want to see like a map shot or a drone shot of the funnel that he's hunting. And does that relate to me? You know, do I have a funnel on my farm that looks a lot like that funnel that I could be using Mm. the same way he's using? So that's kind of the approach that I've taken with Chris and Casey and, and they have as well that you're not only seeing the guy in the tree over the shoulder, I want to pop- You're understanding how they hunt. Exactly. I want to get the educational factor in there as well. Right. And why are, exactly. why are they hunting in this pine stand? Or why are they hunting right. across, along this creek bed? Or why would, yeah, exactly. Why would he sit by this creek? And I, and I think, I mean? yeah. yep. And I think a lot of guys and a lot of producers out there don't really look at it that way. Maybe they take it for granted and it's like, okay, we're in the industry and we're on TV when really they they look over the viewer perspective of perspective of it and they don't take a step back and be like what would i want to see and how would i want to grow as a hunter and an, and an outdoorsman to be able to get closer to these animals and you know cuz you know we both do podcasts and it seems like every right. guy out there wants to know what is the big buck factor how do i kill the big buck is it a plus z equals c or what is it that you know give me that factor you know, and there's really not like we had talked about how Mark Drury, I can t- I can listen to him until he's blue in the face. But the thing is, what he right. does in Iowa does right. not relate to me here in Michigan on my farm. So, Absolutely. so you got to figure out what that is and and really hone in on it and, and really hammer that home. But I think on the other side of that is like we in the other conversation, we're trying to tell you like that the buck that you have in your mind because of what you need to produce maybe not like what's best for you because it's like you you have to take a step back and say just because these guys on TV are killing these big bucks you need to have that own you, you need to have your own like story or have your own like what does this mean to me and take that producer hat off for a second and say, you know, how do I make this memory? And I think that that's what a lot of guys are trying to do with the with the camera. Exactly. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more because like we had talked before, you know, 10 years ago, I was the guy that was saying, why did why'd you kill that buck? You know, why, why are you killing right. that deer? But really, that's me being an asshole because... You know, I I would take that guy 10 years ago and and punch him square in the face because it's like you don't know that guy or gal's story to get there. You know, you don't know that could be he could be, you know, terminally ill and that's the last year he's ever killed. You don't know that story, you know, and it's. Yeah, I mean, when you listen to my podcast, I, I like. I like to go after a particular deer and, and, you know, here in Michigan, my goal is to shoot a three-year-old, but at the end of the day, if a deer comes around the corner and I look at that deer and I'm like, wow, I really like that deer. Like, and you never know, you know, we, we brushed on that. I'm, I'm dipping into the, the public land pool, you know, and I'm trying to, right. trying to figure that out. You know, my story might be my first time public land hunting. I walk back two, three miles, do a hang and bang don't see a deer, you know, all year or whatever. And I have a, you know, six point come out. If that deer and that story excites me and I, and I'm proud of that, 
Cool. Then you're damn right I'm going to throw an arrow through his cool. chest. You know? That's right. And that's just what I think a lot of us, and I've done it, I'm, you know, myself, and you know, and be the first guy it's, to point a finger. But it's like we really got to take a step back and say, you know, we're losing a lot of hunters out there, you know, and exactly. and for the for right. the grand scheme of things, and for the you know the 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 long longevity of hunting as a whole, we need to be getting more hunters involved. And I think that is the first step to getting hunters out of the industry. I say industry out of the hunting world and I don't want to do that. You know, I want there to be hunters out there enjoying it just like us three do. You know, we talked about it before. Right. This is our Super Bowl. The fall is what we gear ourselves up for the whole year. And that's our that's our whole deal. Exactly. You know, you know and I want to get more people into that. And so w- with that, like so to to say okay, like we've all got different stories. We've all got this thing that we're super passionate about. So that, so for the guy that's starting out hunting and he doesn't want to spend, okay, I guess. So when you go into the woods, Frank wanted to know weight. And then we want to know like, what is your setup cost generally? And let's say for a guy that has 500 bucks and they're going to just start doing this. Let's say that it's the, the 16 year old Aaron and he's got 500 bucks that he's set aside to become the next Michael Waddell. Um, what would you tell him to focus on? I would tell him to focus on dynamic. And what I mean by that is, you know, in the use of right now, we have a lot of POV cameras, point and view cameras, GoPros, uh, lipstick cameras, what, whatever you want to call them. There's a lot of POV cameras that are out there that are built for, you know, unique angles. You know, I would say definitely buy one of those. Get a point of view camera because that is like a camera that uh, a lot of people can relate to. You know, like I said with the vlog style, you know, your point of view camera is is a camera is, is an angle that a lot of guys, you know are trying to get and can't get, you know. And then I would go in there and I'd buy literally just go get a camera that is, you know, a point and shoot record camera. There's, you know, no manual focus, there's it's HD, you know, if your budget's $500, there's there's some good cameras out there for that. You know, the one that comes to mind is a Sony HDR CX405. It's right around $230 and you know, it's full HD. It's uh, it shoots an AVCHD file format and an MP4 format. I know that probably doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people, but it, it that's a, that's a good format, you know, for a, a 1080 um, HD camera. Uh, it shoots in 60p, you know, and that's kind of the pros, I guess you could say, for it. And it and it's lower budget. The the cons to it are is you're not going to have any mics, external mics. You're not going to be able to hook a uh, you know, a, a wireless lavalier mic to it, like we use, or a shotgun mic. It's literally just turn it on, point and view, hit record, record. You can zoom with it, and that's it, you know, basically. No sound then, right? Well, you will have sound. There's an onboard, onboard mic to it, but it's just oh, not. okay. It's just not. But you can't put an external yep, mic. Yep, you can't put an external mic on it. It's just not okay. going to be the, you know, the upper echelon quality that you right. hear on TV. Um 
The 455 has the mic input. The 405 I was talking about. Right, but I, what I'm saying, the 455 yep. is like is the next version up if you were looking for yep. one. Yep, and with, that's probably, is that right around 500 bucks? probably? It's it's in that ballpark. Okay. I mean, so, so um, <laughs> the only reason I know that is because I've got a couple of different cameras, like lower end cameras, and my thing is been I want a lang port and a mic input. And that that's literally like I'm glad that you brought that up because it's one of the things that I have a question about. Okay. So like so the Canon HF series like the H series whatever HFR I think the latest one is like the 800 is it the it's Canon really Canon Vixia HF like one hundred? Yep. 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 I used to have one. Yeah. So like the latest one is the HF R eight eight hundred. Yep. Whatever they have the external mic port, but they don't have a link input. So the Sony cameras have the multi port where you can attach seventeen different cords, but it, through that that multi-port you can put a lank microphone on there or a, a controller yep as we're looking at starting our filming process frank is like i really wish we would have something that was consistent across the board yep right and so i've been looking at ones the, the sony cameras in particular because they have that multi-port for that the remote of some sort yep um he wants them to be all the same so it's like oh if we have two setups and he's gonna go turkey hunt with his son and then i'm gonna go turkey hunt with john and then we flip flop the next weekend or something like that he doesn't have to relearn it so that's one of the things that i've been been looking at so features on cameras for for those HD camera, like so, you said when you were a kid, at sixteen years old, you said, "Okay, well, it was HD. This thing was the shit. It was the greatest camera ever." How do you take that, whatever camera you land on, and your point of view camera, and how are the files going to be different? So the the ISO the white balance those things where you're trying to go back and forth like where you're getting into editing and we may have like skipped over like two or three things but (laughs) but like i'm glad but i'm glad but i'm glad that you brought that up because like i said like that external mic port i feel like maybe only because i produce podcast i feel like the audio is just as important as the video and i can sync together audio and I can in editing I can make it work I can make it sound better yep than maybe what it was what he's trying to say is he but, cuts my farts out <laughs> that's, this is true but with the video if one is of a lesser quality of a better quality how do you m- manage that portion so I mean oh, my in my opinion People, viewers can deal with lesser quality video than lesser quality audio. They want to hear better audio quality than lesser quality video, if that makes sense. So 
I would really focus on being able to have a higher quality audio, you know, because that's what brings emotion in as well, you know, on a, on a different level. You know, a lot of people are like, why are they always whispering when they're in the stand? And like after they killed, why are they always whispering? And it's like, well, because they're in the moment, you know, that that right. that's a that's exactly. a, that's an emotion, you know, for a lot of people that don't understand that, you know, like go back a couple of years when I, I killed one of my first deer by myself in like 10 years. I literally killed and I, I turned around thinking to see someone over my shoulder and there was nobody there. And I'm like, oh, yay. You know, like you have someone to celebrate with, you know what I mean? And it's like, that's an emotion you have. So like people that don't get filmed kind of don't understand that in a way. Cause that's one of the first thing people are like, why are they always whispering? And it's like, well, that's just, that's just a reaction and an emotion. So like audio, you know, when I'm editing a show and, and I have this instance right now, like. Chris and Casey's younger brother, Cody, he's, he's on his mission to kill his first buck right now. Um, and he's been trying to do it for the last five years. And, and the reason being is because growing up, Cody's an unbelievable hockey player. He played, uh, you know, all through college and, and went into the minors and everything. And, and he just didn't have a lot of time to bow hunt. Well, now he's kind of a late bloomer. He's my age, but he, he just started to get into bow hunting again, you know? And, He's having a lot of struggles with it because of, you know, he didn't grow up with it really. You know, he was always playing hockey. So he's, he's, you know, Chris. So he wasn't a hunter, a hunter per se. Well, he, he was. Right. He, I mean, he's killed like eight bears with his bow in his life, but he's never killed a whitetail. Okay. You know, because he's always, he always right. could spring bear hunt, but he was never like ingrained into the fall whitetail scene because of hockey. And he's, he's starting to learn that late, but, you know, he's, he's making really good strides and, the the guy is a buck magnet. Literally, if you want to see some big deer, you go with him because he's just deer going to flock to him. But um, what I'm saying is, like, I'm editing a show right now, and the audio quality, you know, we had an intern filming him at the time, and, and uh, he didn't have any, like, you know, any, I shouldn't say cutaways, but any, like, low quality, or not low quality, any, you know, whispers as the deer was coming in like the, Oh, well, big buck, big buck. You know what I mean? Like getting that yeah. type of stuff. Like, because you, anybody can sit there and hit a record button and record the whole deer and you not hear anything but a bird chirping, but you want that emotion right. of what that guy's feeling in, in, in thinking, but also like if you were to really catch yourself in the moment when you're, you know, getting ready to kill a deer or an animal, you are talking to yourself. Like it just happens. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And Absolutely. and a lot of people are like, oh, right. they're doing too much talking. And it's like, well, you, are you understanding this? Because let's let's be honest. I mean, right. when you see an animal that you're going to kill, I personally go into blackout mode. It is like <laughs> muscle memory takes over. I've been here before. I know what to do. Everything that happens in there, I just kind of don't remember. So it's like you are talking to yourself, talking to yourself through that. Maybe it's not coming out verbally, but you're thinking that. And it's like one of those ways for us to extract those those thinking moments or those thoughts and also engaging you as a viewer and keeping you on the edge of your seat with audio, if that makes sense. You know, like, oh, big buck coming this way or a couple does coming this way. Always coming, you know, you know what I mean? Ranging him, you 18 yards. You good? You good? Yep. When you hear that, like, you good, like, talking to the cameraman, like, 
that right. is like we're here we're freaking doing this like get ready you know what i mean that's the climax that's what we've built up all summer all year for and it's like me personally if you don't have the audio you don't have an engaging hunt and that's just i'm gonna stick to that because it's just not it's just not powerful How many times have you have have you made the shot right have you made the shot it's a great shot and you go man i didn't really see that you know what i mean right i didn't remember that you know what i yep. mean but it was like it was your instinct is is what made you make that shot you know what i'm saying yeah for sure you 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 made it but you're going god i don't did i have it right there did i hold the pin right there and you start second you know guessing I mean? yourself you know, oh, and it's yeah. like, but it was always like, you know, yeah, I, I did it. You know what I mean? It's it's an instinct, is what it yep. is. It's a it's know? a joke that uh, Lee, our other field producer, he films Chris and I have. So, you know, if, if we come back and let's say Casey and I had shot a deer or shot an animal, the first thing he says is, "Did you hit record?" And I'm like, "Oh <laughs> shit, did I hit record?" And you you like get sick to your stomach, and it's like. Did oh, I hit God. record, you know? <laughs> oh, we always do sure it to it each is. other, you know, and it's knock on wood. I have not double punched or not hit record yet, so wow. but it will happen eventually. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. I mean, but that audio is key. I mean, I hope hopefully that answered your question because that is something that a lot of people overlook. And honestly, I've been in instances too where like my lav mic, my you know, the wireless mic maybe went dead and we had killed an animal. So usually I have a live mic and a shotgun mic, you know, catching all the other gnat sound. And what I'll do is, you know, once we're done and you can recognize that you have, you know, your mic died maybe, or you don't have that audio. So as a producer, you got to be thinking about that. And, you know, what I'll do with Casey or something is like, with that shotgun mic, I'll literally put it like right in his face and just say, Hey, we need to roll through this. Just give me some audio bites. Give me everything that, you know, you thought as this deer's coming in. I want it all. Give me more than what I need. So at least I know I have it in the in the edit bay when I get back. Give me the big buck, big buck. Oh, here he comes, you know, eighteen yards. Are you good? Are you good? Give me all of that. I literally put it right in his mouth like we're talking right now on a podcast with our mics in front of us. Because I want that good crisp audio in the moment, in the tree stand, as the wind's blowing, as the birds are chirping, I want it all to be the same. And if I was to show you a hunt with no audio and and, and a hunt and the same hunt with the audio, I'm gonna tell you ten times ten out of ten times, you're gonna be like, This is the most engaging one with the audio. I I, I almost right. guarantee it. So from that perspective in before we end this, I'm going to like 100% grill you on two <laughs> levels of, of gear um, to, to just kind of shore that up. But with that is one of the things that I wanted to, to talk about from the beginning. So for a guy that is just starting out or um, say Frank, who's never considered filming a hunt or has tried but it what ends up being is just like the moment the kill shot not a, not telling a story do you think that 
I mean, how, how should someone new approach the hunt? Frank and I talked about it before we got on the phone with you, and then we went through this uh, this whole uh, our levels of experiences and things like that. But realistically, do you need to, if you're going to say, like, commit to this, like both you and I have both said, all right, we're going to commit to this podcasting journey. So every time that I have a podcast, I have it like in at least in my mind, like somewhat laid out of like where the podcast is going to go, right. what the listener experience is going to be, how it is. And and that's one of the funny things for me is like when I take a camera into the field, I don't do that because on one level, I think that it's cliche um, in a sense of like, and, and I think it's like, if I don't kill anything, well, this was all for nothing to do the get everything out of my car, drive down the road, like walk to the stand, climb up the thing. Yep. And you feel like it's repetitive. You feel like you're doing it every time, and you're like, what am I doing this for? Yeah, and and the difference between you and I is that I'm not getting paid for it, and I'm hunting less than um, desirable destinations uh, of hunts. So what I do it is like, what the fuck am I doing this for? (laughs) Why am I doing it? Yep. And so do you think that, I mean, for a guy starting out that do do they need a storyboard do they need a storyline do they need to say well if nothing else i need to get this shot this shot this shot or is it like a a very organic thing well we'll just see how it how it goes so you know to to kind of go back to how you, you know, you said your destination is, you know, you're hunting a lesser of a destination, basically like you're not hunting the Iowa's or, you know, whatever that picture is. I think you need to look at it as where am I at? Am I in Western Michigan on public land? Like what is the, what is the big picture there? Like I'm on public land hunting in Michigan, if not the highest pressured state in the u.s for whitetails or in the top three whatever it is you know that's a big story right there in itself so when you go out there when i start a season now let's say i'm just gonna kind of take this back to like me and you know just me hunting myself and how i'm gonna film myself throughout the year so like i said on my podcast a lot i have this this piece of ground in Michigan here, it's, uh, I call it the main farm. My little nephew calls it the main farm and that's how it kind of got its name, but I call it the one acre farm. And the reason being is because it's 120 acres and there's one acre of timber on it. Okay. It's all ag ground. And I actually shot a four-year-old on it last year here in Michigan. Now I've done a lot of stuff to that, to, to kind of get, put myself in a position where I could do that. But my thing is, is like when I'm documenting, when I'm shooting myself for myself, I do it all vlog style. I don't have a producer behind me to be able to, to shoot a lot of that. And 
So I have a camera that I do vlog style, but I'm trying to tell that story. So when I'm going into it, I'm like, what are my big stories this year? Well, I'm doing something a lot of people aren't really doing. They're hunting one acre, one acre in one of the highest, one of the highest pressured states in Michigan. Or I'm sorry, that didn't even sound right. <laughs> one of the highest pressured states in the U.S. And that's a big thing. Like that's my storyline. And so the next thing I'm thinking is, what is my goal to try to do on that? I'm trying to kill a certain deer, or I'm trying to hone in on one deer, or I'm just trying to kill a deer, you know, that kind of thing. And then you have all these little arms coming off those stories as far as like, you never know, like there could be a cold front come in on October 2nd. That's a storyline, you know, like I didn't plan on hunting this farm until the rut, but I have a huge cold front coming through this. I got to go. This is me. This is, and that is like capturing that story while you're driving to the farm in the truck, getting ready at home, you know, at the truck, putting your boots on. And it's like a vlog style, like, you know, off the cuff, really impromptu, like, here we go. This is, you know, people relate to that. You and I relate to that. The guy that works 40 hours a week welding in a factory relates to that because he's a weekend warrior. All he can do is hunt the weekends, you know, and if he has a cold front or not, he might only have one acre, you know, how was he going to treat that one acre? So it's those little stories within stories that you have to figure out, you know, maybe you went in like this year I went in, I did the biggest boneheaded thing ever. You know, I told myself I wasn't going to go into the one acre and hunt or even go into it to pressure it. And the deer that I ended up shooting with my bow ended up surviving because I, I hit him high. Well, I kicked him out of his bed, literally got 20 yards from him with a rifle, didn't even know he was there, kicked him out of this one acre that I did all this hinge cutting and TSI for deer to bed in there. That's another story within a story. You know, it's the off-season work that you're doing to try to make this better. Um, and doing something that I always told myself I wouldn't do, and literally the reason why I went up there to to try to look at this is because I wanted to see what deer were coming out of the one acre into the beans. I wanted to see tracks. And it's like, at the end of the day, it cost me that deer again. He was bedded in front of me. I was sitting on the edge of the field for three hours that morning hunting. He was bedded in that one acre that I was looking at at a hundred yards the whole morning. I didn't know it. And I walked up there and I kicked him out, you know, that, and that cost me that deer. So it's like, those stories that you have to really think about and figure out like, okay, you know, how am I going to enter this stand tonight? Well, the wind's coming out of the West. I usually enter it this way. Why do I have to go all the way around the property and come in the backside? That's another, you know, story because you're changing up your, you know, you're, you're frustrated because things aren't working the same way. Um, what we like to do also like for rival while is going into the season I'll pick out like 10 to 12 different storylines, no matter what state we're in. So if we're going to Iowa, it's a four year for a non-resident. It usually takes about four years to draw a tag. There's your one story is, you know, you don't get to hunt it every year. Second story is it's the land of the giants. You know, that's where people, you know, to hunt whitetails, that's where people are trying to go. There's another story, so you can they, build on well, that. Well, they have property in Illinois, right, too, though? Yeah, we did, yep. Right now right. we moved from Illinois to Kansas and Missouri, but that's another thing. It's like, you know, CWD might be hitting a state, too. There's a storyline. You can go into getting into the back end of CWD and how it's really hit your county in Illinois or wherever it is, and 
and has been a detriment and the deer population is down. That's something a lot of people relate to, you know? So I think, you know, going into the season, I think pick out four, five, six different storylines that you can really identify with your situation. You know, you said, you said you're going out to, uh, I think South Dakota to antelope hunt. Is that where you're going to go this year? All right. So yep. like do some research on that. You know, I've never, I've, I've filmed one antelope hunt in uh, Wyoming, but I've never went out and hunted them. You know, are you hunting them over water holes? Are you spotting stalking them with a decoy? Spotting stalking. Yeah. So, so look into that, you know, how do people do it? What, what are the, what are the difficulties of it? How can I spin off this? How can I film it the right way? And, uh, you know, get those storylines. And let's say your goal this year is to hunt all public land in Michigan and, or Missouri, you know, Frank, you said you're going to Missouri, never been to the farm before. You're going to go down next month and and do some, and do some scouting, take a camera with you, you know, go down there and just do some selfie style vlog style. Like, Hey guys, this is the first time I've ever been on this farm. You know, we're shed hunting it. We're trying to figure out how to, how to do it. Like, you know, what this farm's all about, that builds into, you know, you might find a shed that you might kill that deer in November. That's a huge story. Right. That's huge. Right. You know what I mean? So it's just trying to identify that stuff in the situation, in the area that you're in that I really like to look at, you know, Kansas. So really just take advantage of everything that you, you're you looking at. Yeah. It's what, it's what it amounts and, to. And to me, exactly. And to me, when you get into the season, you know, and I'm producing constantly, but like when you get into the day to day, like we hunt every morning, every night, every day, you know, in the fall, it seems like, and right. you get tunnel vision, like you, you, you get into that routine, you get up, you have coffee, you go to the stand, you come out, you're looking at trail cams. Where's this deer at where, you know, where do we need to hunt tonight? What's the wind doing? What's the barometric pressure doing? What's all this? And you kind of get into that rhythm where it's like, you don't take a step back as a producer and be like, well, what else is going on? You know, it's been 90 degrees the last three days. What's the weather coming? You know, do I need to get a shot of my phone with the weather app on there? And it shows this big green blob of rain coming. Like that's a good shot to get because that preempts that there's weather coming. You know, there's probably a cold front or warm, warm front coming in and we need to capitalize on this. That's another story right right there. Maybe you're, you know, you're, you're driving to Kansas on a, on a public land hunt and your truck breaks down or you get a flat tire. Hey, perfect time to pop out the camera and be like, you know, we've spent so much time and effort. I've only got so many PTO days that I can't take. And I'm going to spend one more day trying to take this damn tire off or whatever it is. People relate to that, you know, so it's really trying to figure out. And what what I'm trying to say is try to identify those stories before you go into the season because me personally I get tunnel vision sometimes and it's hard to to get out of that. So try and make it as real as you can. Exactly. Yep. Right? It 100. percent And I mean it's, it's real. It's real life. It's life. You know, like you. I understand. You know what I mean. It's all edited. You know. What I mean everything that you guys do. But so when you go in the woods, if 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 the dude. In front of you falls down with his tree standing in the water and shit like that. You know, that's what you want to. That's what you're looking for. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, it, it is, and it's it's kind of, the, but it's also the way of kind of how you shoot it too. You know, and if it's just exactly, it's just exactly. It, I mean, 
if you're just you got you're not going to stage it. You know what right. I mean? Yep. You want it to be you want it to be more realistic. Exactly. As far as I'm concerned, relatable. You know, and you know, like you know, and I'm going to go back to the hunting public guys. You know, Zach uh, Farnbaugh and his buddy were out shed hunting on one of their last episodes, and his buddy was going to go slide across the pond or whatever, and he fell. You know what I mean? That wasn't staged. That was just one of right. those things like, oh, this is I'm 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 gonna tell you what a lot of guys probably would have done that, you know, and it's just one of those funny moments and it's like he yard sailed right there on the on the ice and it's like funny right. and relatable, you know, and it's just one of those things and I think it's just identifying those because the thing is, and I said it on my last podcast, Justin and I were talking about um, you know, telling a story through the lens, and it's like you can't dictate what animals are going to do. So the kill or encounters are all bonus. You can't count on those. You have to count on the other stories to tell your, you know, your big picture story. So what I like to do is I, you know, I like to do chronological order, you know, starting at the beginning of the year, whatever that is, if it's right now here in, you know, March, what are we doing in March? We're doing hinge cutting. We're, we're out shed hunting. You know, the shed rally just happened. We're all doing that. Film some of that. And like I said, Frank, you might find a shed to a deer that you're going to kill in October. So you want to be able to have that from March when you found a shed to October right. or November when you killed him. You know, and that's just right. one of those things. And, and figuring out the dynamic and how to shoot that is is another thing. But there's ways to do it. You know, like I said, one of the biggest things right now is the vlog style. And it's easy for people to do by themselves or with another person person you know and it's and it's relatable and that's the end thing right now so i think it's also identifying those trends and adapting to what's going on right now in the space that you want to be on so what happens when it kind of all goes sideways right and we talked about this like a little bit before but like when you're day after day after day shooting those same shots or trying to get those same interviews or trying to do those same, same things. And when you have a week off or like, let's say we, you know, we've been talking about uh bear hunting. So we go on our, our bear hunt and it just never pans out. What do you do then with that, that footage or the, the storyline where do you take that? Do you compile that and say, well, next year now we've got a story for this bear, this buck, this, you know, whatever. Or how are you viewing that? Because they can't all be successful hunts. That's why it's hunting. Well, right? do they can that is what, you know, I think right. he's trying to say. Well, you know, in, in what we do with television every year, we are, you know, we are contracted for 13 original episodes. If you're going to do, you know, Q3 and Q4. Um, this year we're running Rival Wild the whole year. So we have, you know, every week of the year we are running an episode. So, you know, one year of Rival Wild, I think we produced 13 original episodes with only two kills. And that's the thing. Like, at home, Bubba on the couch wants to see kills. That's what he wants to see. You know, there are a select few of guys out there and gals that want to see a storyline. And you know, the, the series that we do with dropped, like a lot of women like that show because it's not all about killing. It's about the journey, you know, and, and guys too as well. And I say women just because, you know, 
you don't expect a lot of women to like that, you know, but they do. So in that instance, like the year that we only killed like two or three animals, you know, there's always, like I said, those stories within stories. So let's say, for instance, Chris is hunting a deer, a specific deer, you know, let's, you know, season one arrival wild. He was hunting a deer called Lone Star. He had a name, you know, he was intimate with the deer. It was a deer that lived on the farm, Lone Star. And there, there's those stories like there's moments like in mornings that the weather might not be right for the stand that you're getting into. So we're going to go do what we call a gas and glass. We're going to drive around in the pickup or the buggy and glass the fields at first, first light. There's another story. So within that, you have your hunter. In this instance, it's Chris or Casey saying, you know, we're out glassing these these ag fields, I'm looking for Lone Star. I can't get in the stand this morning, the one I want to go to, because I'm going to blow every deer out of that that area, and I don't want to take a chance at blowing him out because the wind's wrong. Every hunter relates to that. You know, that's that's another way to drive that story. And then you never know what might come up next. You know, you might have something where maybe you see Lone Star and you get footage of him in a bean field. And it's like, oh, thank God I didn't go in there because I was going to try to get in the backside and the wind was blowing right up that valley where he came. You know, that builds. It all builds. You might not think it's that much, but it's like, that's huge. The more that you can get footage of that deer, because think about it. I mean, a lot of the shows you see, a lot of people aren't following trying to kill one specific deer. A deer just shows up and they're like, oh, I want to kill that deer. You know, or they're getting in a stand at an outfitter and they're killing a deer. And I'm not saying that's bad at all because outfitted hunts, you know, a lot of them are good. Some of them are bad, you know, but they might just kill a random animal that comes through. So it's like you got to find that uh, that little story within a story. So let's say you see the Lone Star. So it's like, okay, he came out of there. I know he's betting close because, you know, earlier in the season in October – they're usually betting closer to the food. You know, they don't want to travel along a long way usually. And it's like, where is he going to end up tonight? You know, like trying to figure that out. Maybe you're going to go check some cameras. Let's go, ch- let's go do a camera check, you know, on the other side of the farm and, and figure out what's there. Maybe he showed up on a camera that you never expected him to be on before. The plot thickens. Why is he over here? And then you've got stories coming off of that. Let's go back to, back to a map segment, you know, Let's pull out the map. Let's let's see what why he's coming there. Okay, there's these two funnels coming through here. Maybe a doe brought him over here. Maybe it's a green source. You know, he's on green to this morning. Maybe he was on green at night. Do I need to do a hang and bang stand right here to try to kill him tonight? You know what I mean? So it's just kind of those stories within a story. Now I I know it kind of it might get repetitive when you're going back possibly to the same stand every day and you're talking to the camera. It's like. Uh, day 13, back in the stand, only seen three deer. You know, and it's like, okay, why are you seeing three deer? Are you doing something wrong? Are you entering the stand wrong? Should I move the stand? Am I hunting it on the wrong wind? You know, and it's like, ask yourself those questions to the camera. You know, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I've got to take a step back from this. I'm going to go look at Google Earth and figure out why these deer are not coming through here. Maybe I'm in the wrong spot. You know, and it's just trying to capture those moments as well. Like maybe you go back home drinking a beer, you're on the computer looking at Google Earth, you got an over the shoulder shot of you looking at the computer, figuring out what the hell's going on there 
you know, and it's just, you know, you're trying to break it up. And I know it might seem repetitive. Like I'm taking all this camera gear in there all the time and nothing's happening, but there's always something else that's happening, you know, and people love to see people suffering, you know, in our world, they love to see them suffering. Like, why is this guy having the, the worst time of his life, you know, in, in a sport or in a, in an activity he loves so much, there's gotta be a reason, you know, and, it's just trying to identify those. There's a lot of little stories out there that could that could really bring emotion and engagement out of a viewer. So the the story once you've kind of like I I guess like I guess what I gather from that is that you know the story is just that you should on some level always be recording because Everything that happens, good or bad, is going to build that uh, suspense or, or 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 kind of like take you down the road to wherever it ends up, right? You could take that approach for sure. You know, you're gonna you're gonna waste a lot of footage, but it's identifying maybe the top tier possible storylines as far as like camera checking camera segments you know what i mean hanging stands uh like checking the cameras in the field but also looking at the pictures at the lodge or at the house or in the truck or on your phone you know those things you can control those things that you can i don't want to say stage but those things you can set up and do a little scene work on maybe you're living in a tent like we do in the fall in kansas there's a lot of storyline behind that gathering wood chopping wood, making dinner on the grill, you know, no showers, you know, trying to keep your camo scent free with a bonfire going all the time because that's the only source of heat you have. So do you guys show all that, though? Yeah, to an extent we do. But, like, you know, we're kind of handcuffed in a way where we only can show 22 minutes of footage, you know. So it's like there's a lot of stuff that doesn't, you know, hit the cutting room floor because – Right. You know, exactly. it's just because we're kind of our backs are against the wall because we have to obey by these time restraints. And that's what's so cool right. about YouTube and Facebook and, and all the other platforms out there. There's no time restraints like you can play whatever you want. You can show whatever you want. You can swear if you want. You can drink beer if you want, you know, and there's a lot of that stuff that you can't show on national television that kind of right. sucks because you can't show right. the playing euchre with all the all the boys drinking exactly. whiskey you know what i mean that we okay. want to show you know right but i think like i think what i was getting at as far as like um the keep the cameras rolling and, and do that is like to be able to have something chronologically if you don't get the the kill correct right? yep so so that's the the main point that I was going for is that yes, um, you from from the start from the say okay, season opens and you're trying to create some sort of a project or that you say that you want to film your hunts or whatever. It's not just like when you're in the stand and saying, okay, it's a beautiful day. We got a wind out of the west. It's 34 degrees. Then you cut to deer walking in, shot, and recovery. You want 
to build more of a story. And by doing that, you're able to, whether you have a successful hunt in terms of a harvest and recovery or not, you still have a timeline to say, this is what happened during my hunt. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. And so, and so how does a guy go from, and we talked about this and one of the things, and I wasn't trying to uh, downplay television or whatever, but I think like on some level you're conditioned to say, well, I need to have this shot of opening my bow case, opening the door, spraying down with the scent spray, walking out and taking a picture of the, you know, a very slow cinematic shot of the broadhead on the end of the arrow and then down the, the sight picture and, 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 and all of that. Um, I, how much of that is necessary? How much of that is sponsor driven? How much of that is filler driven to create that 22 minutes? That's acceptable. Um, you know, are those shots necessary? Well, in in my opinion, they're necessary. Yes, on a, on a couple different levels, and in my aspect, yes. For one, there are sponsors that we have to please, and there's contracts that we have to, you know, uphold and 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 really get the love out there for them. But at the other end of the spectrum, let's say I wasn't didn't have any sponsors or didn't have you know uh you know contracts that I had to to abide uh, to abide by so me personally I like those shots because when I watch something on YouTube or you know anything whether it's on TV or YouTube and it's just like you know a guy talks to the camera and the next thing I see is like three does walking by and there's no transition shots from what I mean, no transition shots is there, there's no like pans of your area. And this kind of goes back to like when you watch something, you only see like the over the shoulder or like the small view. Like you don't get the 30,000 foot view. I like to get like as wide as I can get with that. The camera will go and get like a big pan around me. Like what, what are people seeing? Like I want them to see what I might be in a Creek bottom. I might be on the edge of a swamp. I might be, in an oak flat, you know, I want people to see that. Like I want to paint the picture to them the best I can. And that could be going as far as like showing what brand of arrow I'm using or, you know, showing the site that I'm using or showing the bow. Like, you know, that just goes to show like showing your equipment is also a way of, you can, you can take it a couple different ways. It, it, it's a cutaway to get you through the hunt. It's kind of like a time buy in a way, you know, like you don't want to just show your face talking and then like a couple deer walking by and then you talking again, ending the hunt. It's like a 37 second piece. So it's like, how do I get a time buy in a way in there with some cool music, let the music play out or let the net sound play out by showing my broadhead, showing my arrow, showing a pan, showing a tight of a leaf, because I'm trying to paint the fall as well, I'm trying to paint the picture of, and we talked about before we started recording, the fall is our best time. You know what I mean? The leaves are changing here in Michigan. The smells are, we, we love the smell of it. Now, you can't show that through camera, but you can try. 
you know. So you're not going to, I mean, if we walk in a mile, you know, through the swamp, you don't want to show the entire journey, you know, of, you know, it's repetition probably because, you know, it's all the same, you know. So we're going to cut that back, right? I mean, out of that. Yeah, so maybe the maybe the first night you, when you walk in, maybe right. you walk in so far, like you get halfway there and you're just sweating to beat hell, you know, yeah. and you show that. But like maybe the yeah. second night you start right in the tree and you get a pan, you know, of your area right. and right. you're like night number okay. two. I just made the two mile trek in that I did last night. So then right. as you're editing, you can go back to once you referenced last night, you can show what we call B-roll. Over you talking, you having a hell of a time going through this. Maybe you're wearing hip waders and you're just sweating, you know, and you're trying to, you know, you're going through a swamp or something. You can show B-roll reflecting back to that, engaging on that. You don't have to show it every time. And that's why I say, okay. like, when you see a squirrel, you know, a squirrel jumping right. from tree to tree or, or eating an acorn or something, get, like, a variation of a shot. Get, like, three or four different get a tight, medium, wide shot of that. So then maybe the next four squirrels that come by, you don't have to get it. You got a squirrel shot. You can use it on night right. one. You can use it on night seven. You know, it's a right. cutaway. And that's why. What about me shoot? What about me shooting a squirrel? Oh, I'd film every one you shoot. <laughs> yeah. They're delicious. Yeah. And, you know, and that's like, I try to, you know, I try to shoot heavy on the front end of a trip. Let's say we're going in on the first day of a hunt first sit of the year mm -hmm. let's say we go in there and kill a deer well we got to get an episode out of that we just i literally hit record four times i try to get like i try to shoot heavy on the front end so that might be like casey getting ready at the truck everything boots on camo on truck pull truck pulling into the property you know uh, shot from a distance as he's walking away from the truck. I get up in the tree first. I shot him walking up the up the stand, you know, and then like all the extra shots, sponsor shots in there. And then once we kill a deer that night, I might be able to make an episode out of that, you know, shoot heavy on the front end because that that shot of him coming up the stand of night one, you can use it on night four if you're in the same stand in the same scenario, same right. lighting. Nobody has to know that you didn't. You know, it, it's kind of a, you're kind of, I guess, in a way, fooling the audience. But at the end of the day, what's it really matter if you're in the same stand and same, you know, like you're still showing it and you don't have to do it every time because you're going to waste a lot of footage. But if you change right. stands, get that shot again. You know, you're going to want that shot for a different location, mm -hmm. you know, if and, and just get that variation. So with those shots and i think what i was trying to get at is like the creativity portion of it and it kind of goes back to where i want to end up here with equipment is that like if you only had like i said if if, if frank had a uh a full frame dslr with a five thousand dollar lens and I gave his phone to a professional photographer, you know, who do you think is going to have a better picture at the end of the day? There is the eye, the creativity, and the style um, that's going to 
win out. And I think that anyone who's starting out and they're going to delve into this as they go down this road, they're going to want to tell their story. But so often it gets emulated of what they see on TV. And, you know, you and I prior to the podcast kind of talked about like subtle changes that you made, whether it was with music or with a little bit more of a dramatic type shot or feel, uh, changed the whole dynamic and the, the feel of kind of what you guys were doing. So for a guy that's starting out, where do they put their focus, be it with gear, audio, style, what are the main three points you would have them take away from, you know, this podcast or from your experiences? What are the main three things that they could set them up to have a steady base to progress from? Well, I'm going to, I'd start with just by saying, be different and be different in any way you can possibly be. Watch everything. Watch TV, hunting TV shows. Watch everything on YouTube. Figure out what everybody else is doing, and and kind of branch out from there. You know, it's it's normal for a human just to be standing up straight and holding a camera by his head, standing up there because it's convenient and you don't have to move. You know what I mean? Get down on your knee. Put the camera down by the by the ground and get a shot straight up or a shot like a wide shot as somebody's walking at you or walking away. Like that's just different. That's literally by kneeling down. You know, um think of those different dynamic, be dynamic. Be don't be so like zoom in, zoom out, like up by your eye, you know, uh like home video esque. You know what I mean? Get those different shots. Get the shot like you know, a reveal shot behind a tree where you start on one side of the tree and just kind of move the camera right to left or left to right as somebody's walking by you. It's a different shot. You know, put something in the foreground. Um, I would just say move a little bit, you know, and, and, and just try to stay creative. And the more you look at things and the more you can pick up on other people's, you know, content is in the better. And try to, try to you know, if, if the hunting public is what you strive to be, Go emulate them and see how you can take it one step further. Because like I said, you know, in the tree, you're not going to change the in the tree stuff. It's always going to be the same. No matter what you do, it's always going to be the same. Until someone comes around and thinks they can do it. And they, they might change it. But as of right now, like, I'm trying to do it right now too. And I've got an idea I want to do. I don't want to say it on here. But something that's, <laughs> something I haven't seen yet. But it's going to be a lot more work on the hunter and the producer's part in the in the pre-planning you know and trying to get in there and do it so i would say just try to find your authenticness and if that's a word and 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 really and really be authentic in what you're trying to do and if you want to emulate someone do that but i'm going to try to try to take it a step further and challenge you to 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 take it a little step you know one step further and say instead of you know, following the guy as he's walking, figure out a different angle to, to be able to do that. Like show it in, in three different ways, 
You know, he might be walking away from you, but show that in three different ways. What are those three different ways? One might be right above the guy. One might be over the shoulder walking with him. One might be on the ground walking next to him, you know, or just a static shot, just sitting there. You know, and there's a couple things that that you can do without any skill, you know, and it and it's like one is work ethic, work hard at it. You know, you don't need any skill to, to work hard, you know, and 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 put forth the effort and be prepared. Prepared is a big thing in producing shows and producing content, you know, whatever you're doing, like be prepared and that gives you confidence, you know, and just have a good attitude about it. You know, like you don't need skill for any of that. So just put forth your effort and try to think outside the box. A lot of people have been doing a lot of, you know, different things and a lot of things have been shown out there. I mean, there's different things people are doing as far as like drone shots and POV shots and frame rate and 4K, 8K, all that stuff. But if you have the means of a $250 camera that only shoots HD, try to figure out the unique way to use that camera. There are unique ways, you know, and so that that basically is my question is, okay, if 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 somebody wants to get into this like we're doing now, what do you think dollar wise, you know, basically, you know, what does it cost to do this? If you want to do it from A to Z as far as like film your stuff. And edit it? Is that what you're is that what you're thinking? Yeah, yeah, that's where I'm going. Well, it's hard for me to put like an exact dollar amount on it because there's laptop computers out there that are you know, I work on all Mac stuff. And, you know, Macs are a little more pricey. You know, if you want to go with an iMac, you're gonna pay a couple grand for it. And then you've got your editing software on top of that. You know, uh, we use Adobe Premiere Suite, so that that can vary of you know what the programs you want to use. If you just want to use Premiere for video editing, that's going to be a certain price. Um, if you want to use Photoshop with it as well, that's going to be another price. So, you know, or you could go with a you know a uh, HP computer or a Dell computer that is a little lower end. You know that you might be able to get for a couple hundred bucks that uh, right. might have you know a video edit software already on it as such as like when you get an, uh, a Mac computer, it comes with GarageBand. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to pay for that. You've already paid for the computer so you can use GarageBand. Well, I guess that's more audio driven, but like iMovie, that's what I was trying to say. iMovie, you can, you can edit things in iMovie, you know, and that, that'll suffice you for doing things on a low, lower budget. Um, so let's kind of go with, you know, cameras first. I recommend getting, a, you know, um, a main camera and some sort of POV camera, you know, and you can get away with getting stuff like that for, you know, around $500, but you're not going to get a lot of the extra stuff as far as like, you know, the external mics that we talked about, the, you know, the, the live mics and, uh, you know, you always want to think about recoveries after dark too. You want to light, but you can use like headlamps for that stuff too. There's ways around that right? and DIY hacks and stuff like that. Um, so five hundred, you know, five six hundred dollars, you can buy two cameras with some mounts and and everything that would that would work really good for you and be effective. But I'm going to tell you, once you get into it, in the next two to three years, you're going to be trying to upgrade. So it's like, do you save and then buy a thousand dollar camera? 
you know, and then with a with a point of view. So, what would be your preference? Would you would you buy the the up the upgrade now? Personally, what I would do is I would right now. You know, it's kind of hard for me. If I didn't know a lot about it, if I'm talking to my 16 year old self, I would go and buy the $250 camera with a point with a with a POV and I'd roll with it. But knowing what I know now, I would go and buy a camera that I could put at least a shotgun mic on. I wouldn't need necessarily a, a you know external lav mic that attaches to the the hunter, but I would get something I can put an external mic on, and uh, I can run manual focus on. And it's going to shoot somewhat a 4K. I want a 4K ability. Um, so you're going to be aiming for the $800 to $1,200 range for that camera. I'd buy a GoPro. You know, the, the new GoPro 7s are like 350 bucks. You don't need that one. I still run a GoPro 3 Plus. I have personally. And that's what I use a lot of my stuff for. Um Or 4 Plus. I can't remember what it is. There's so many GoPros. So get a good, get you know, get a good GoPro or something and, and roll with that. Then you also got to think about a tree arm too. If you're going to run with a tree arm or, you know, a muddy tree arm or a fourth arrow, one of those, that's going to cost some stuff too. So external batteries and memory cards. Um, but if it was me buying stuff right now, for what I know, I would definitely get something I could for sure get an, some sort of external mic on and shoot 4k. So real quick, I got a question about like, so I, I got some listener questions. So one of those listener questions is the breakdown between a camcorder video style and DSLR. And then a question of like, let's say that everything that we just talked about, um, you already kind of like passed that point. So you've, you found your vision you're you're starting to uh make some moves and you would like to upgrade um and like let's say that you had like a three to four thousand dollar budget for maybe starting to do some of your own production how do you where would you put your money in some sort of lighting audio camera like a full package like let's say that you already have an editing suite and and all that yeah but but first, the difference between video and DSLR, SLR, and then where to put your money taking that next step. So the biggest difference to me between a video camcorder and a DSLR camcorder. So for a lot of people out there that doesn't know what a DSLR is, a lot of the, you know, when you go to a wedding and you see people taking pictures with these cameras and it's like, oh, those are cool, cool cameras. That's a DSLR picture or DSLR camera. And those cameras, a lot of those cameras shoot really good video. You know, the Canon 5D, you know, Mark III is one of the the relics, you know, and one of the one of the workhorses out there that is a really good camera. It's a little outdated now, but it it takes great photos and it takes great video. You know, it only shoots 1080 video, but uh one right now that really sticks out for a DSLR is the Sony A7S II. And in my opinion, it is the best camera in low light situations. You can crank this camera up to 15 to 18,000 ISO and still be broadcast quality. What I mean by that is when the hunter can't see, this camera can see 20 minutes after that. And I'm not kidding. Like it it is 
unbelievable what this camera can do. Um, with a, with a DSLR, you know, there's different. It's interchangeable lenses. You can get interchangeable lenses. So, like a, a A7S II, like you can get a kit. It's about thirty one hundred dollars that comes with uh, a Rode shotgun mic, and it's going to be great quality shotgun mic. Rode's a good brand. Uh, sixty four gig class 10 SanDisk memory card, uh, extra battery. It's going to come with a bag and it's going to come with a 24 millimeter to 70 millimeter lens. That lens to me used to be a really good lens, but it's a really in between lens. You can't really push in and get really tight with it, but, and you can't really pull out and get really wide with it. It's an in between. One of my favorite lenses is a 24 to 105. You can still kind of get wide, but you can actually get a little tighter with it. Um, that's a good versatile lens for like a Midwest whitetail hunt. Uh, a run and gun lens, you're gonna want to look into like a like a 70 to 200. You know, if you're on a spot and stock mule deer hunt. Um, but those lenses, you're buying multiple lenses, and those get expensive. You know, um, and that that's a whole other podcast we could talk about just lenses. So, you know, that package right there you're going to get for about $3,100. And that camera shoots in 4K and it shoots in slow motion. So 120 frames per second it'll shoot in so you can get frame rate shots, those cool slow cinematic shots you can get with that camera. Um, if you add an, a GoPro 7 onto that, that's 350 bucks, And that's going to be like roughly around thirty-four dollars to $3,500 for that POV camera and, you know, a, a good solid a7s camera setup now the bad thing is when you're filming yourself with an a7s or a dslr camera for that fact it's really hard to run by yourself um it takes two hands really and on a on a general camcorder you can have like a remote that hooks to your you know your camera arm and you can run it with one hand you know zoom in and focus and all that stuff so this one's kind of harder but on another pro side of the slr is it takes good quality pictures with a camcorder, it doesn't take that great quality picture. So it's kind of versatile in that way too. So you really got to figure out what you want to do with everything. I mean, nowadays, everybody's usually got a smartphone that takes really good pictures anyway. So if you want to get a camcorder, you could always take pictures with your smartphone and kind of save some money that way as well. Um, as for, you know, a package, like a $5,000 package, what I would go for is a camera called the Sony PXW Z150. This camera is going to run you about $3,000. It shoots in 4K. It shoots uh, 120 frames a second, so it'll shoot like a slow-mo. Um, it gives you XLR ports, so you can have external mics as far as shotgun mic and a lavalier mic, so you have two sources of, of uh, audio. Uh, this is more of a camcorder style. You know, like you'd normally see a video camera being. Uh, you'd want to buy, you know, a lav mic with that. You know, so a Sony um, lavalier mic, a UP, UWP D11. Those are going to be about $530. And then a shotgun mic for it, I recommend the Sennheiser ME66. That's about $210. And then, you know, your your card... You know, your SD card is going to be anywhere from 30 to to 
and then a POV camera, 350 bucks, that's going to put you about $4,000. So you're within that $5,000 range and you're going to have this setup. You can run this setup for about ever, literally. I mean, things are going to evolve, but this camera setup right here, it's technology won't be so far ahead of you with this setup that you're going to want to be like, I need to upgrade this, this setup. You you'll run for a long time, but you're going to pay for it as well. So what do you, what do you run right now? What do you, you know, what does it cost you to run whatever you're running right now? So, what we run in the tree on, on a whitetail hunt is a Sony a7S II. The reason being is because it's so good in low light. But also, we can shoot 4K with audio. Or, I'm sorry, we can shoot 4K and we can shoot frame rate. So we can shoot slow-mo, 120 frames per second with audio. Now, that I know that probably doesn't make a lot of sense to you, but before, cameras that if you were to try to shoot slow-mo with... They didn't have audio, so you'd have to put like sound effects in and everything. This plays real-time audio with with slow-mo footage. So that's that's a good dynamic. We use a 50 to 500 lens. Um, these lenses are about $1,600 a piece. So, you know, the camera is right around $3,000. The lens is, you know, $1,600. Um, and then... You know, it's a it's a DSLR camera, so it's kind of fragile. So you want to get a cage for it. So we run a Movecam cage. I really don't know the price on that right now. Um, uh, so it, if it was to fall of the tree, it would protect it somewhat. You know, um, with that fifty five hundred lens, you can literally focus on something from about four to five inches away from the camera. To uh, you know, we've shot deer over four hundred yards away and still been able to zoom in on them because of the 4k capabilities as well you can punch in and not lose a lot of resolution with them the thing that this camera does not do well is it is not a good spot and stock camera at all i would not recommend it for spot and stock hunting at all um it's cumbersome you can't run it really unless you have the the proper rig which is going to spend you more money to run it like a running gun you, it's got to be on a tripod for it to be somewhat good um what we call our storytelling camera is a Sony FS7. These cameras are anywhere from ten to thirteen thousand dollars. These cameras are what we do a lot of our extra stuff with storytelling, B-roll. It's what we're trying to paint the picture around camp with. These cameras are robust. They are strong. They are durable. They are pound for pound a very good camera, and that's what uh, like Jared Scheffler uses for Whitetail Adrenaline. That's the camera he uses. Um, and we have a variety of lenses we use too, 16 to 35s, all Canon glass. So Canon, we use Canon glass on Sony Sony cameras. Um, so we need an adapter also that, that converts it from Canon to Sony so we can attach them. Um, so... That is another dynamic we use that camera for everything else. Anything in camp that's like kind of off the cuff, handheld stuff, we use that camera with. Uh, driving, anything. We have a couple drones that we use. We have POV cameras that we use. And another thing that I, I failed to mention with the A7S II is that it's got a built-in intervalometer. So what that means is like you can take like time lapses 
you know, night lapses, you know, where you can see the clouds and see the stars at night. It has that built into it. So it makes it really easy for people to take time lapses as well. So that's another, another plus that it has. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's kind of our setup. You know, the, we have, we have a variety of those cameras, you know, we've got multiple of them cause we got a lot of people in the field, but, and you know, in a nutshell, that's what we use right now. Yeah. I mean, now all this has been great and I feel like we've almost like just scratched the surface. Um, <laughs> yeah. This. I mean, because it is so, so vast and I think that any sort of like creative outlet you're going to have that that personal touch and then when you get into the technology portion of it you know you can do a lot if you have the the drive you can do a lot with a little and then it's just going to end up being like you're going to end up having to scratch that itch further and further down the for sure the rabbit hole for sure and i don't i don't want people to think out there too if a camera is only 250 or 500 or 600 that it's it's an inferior camera it, you know it's not really it's it just depends on how you want to use that camera you know and and how you want to tell your story with that camera is what really makes that camera and don't be discouraged with the lower price cameras i guess i'm trying to say for sure for sure but yeah i mean i think that's pretty much kind of like everything that we wanted to cover is there anything that you think that the the listener needs to know as far as you know from a starting out standpoint to where you're at like outside of like a creative drive and want to do it like what do they need to know as far as what what motivates you or like keeps you going i mean what motivates me is i just love to be in the outdoors and i'm a diehard whitetail guy so anytime i can get a, a close encounter with a whitetail whether that have a bow in my hand or a camera it's it's unique to me and it's awesome i love to do that so like find out what drives you find out the story that you want to tell and just feed off that, you know, try to find something out there that you do unique or you do something different than the other guy that is, is a really cool story to tell and, and tell that story. And it's all about the drive and determination and, you know, the attitude that you take into it that really will pull out the uniqueness and the authenticness and really engage your viewer and engage the people that are trying to, you know, download your content or watch your content. And I'm telling you, you're going to see growth and you're going to see a good following come from that because you're being authentic and, you know, you're really, you're really telling your story from the heart and everything that, uh, you know, takes you through the fall or whatever you're doing. It might not even be hunting. It might be rock climbing. You know, it might be, out riding horses who knows it's whatever it is just take that approach just try to be different be authentic be yourself and just try to be just try to think outside the box and and uh i promise everything will start clicking and it'll you know you'll grow from there well i just want to thank you for you know giving us your time and 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 sitting down and, and talking with us and we certainly need to do this again 
like be it on your podcast or or ours one more time um once we get a little bit of listener feedback and figure out how we can expand on and kind of like what we've done today um where can everybody follow along with everything that you're doing because you know where we for the most part are regular guys that have a podcast for a regular day you know you do this every single day and have a podcast on top of it as a as a hobby so you you live the life that we all strive to to uh, emulate and you decide well you know i'll dive into the podcast realm <laughs> also so you make so, it sound so, so easy <laughs> yeah i mean well, i i first of all i appreciate you guys having me on honestly and yeah i agree we need to do this again we need to meet up and have some beers and do a podcast over beers face to face. But, um, on the other side of things though, like if you guys want to see anything like what I do on the fall podcast, you know, I'm on iTunes and Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere where you basically download a podcast, you can find it. I've got a YouTube channel that they're all on there as well. Um, if you guys want to see anything that we do with Chris and Casey on dropped or rival wild right now, dropped is running on Mondays at seven 30 on the outdoor channel. Rival Wild is on at 7.30s on Wednesdays on the Sportsman's channel. And uh, you can see it. That's all Eastern time as well. So you can see them there. Or you could go to the Kiefer Brothers YouTube channel or any social media platform and follow the Kiefer Brothers there. And you can see a lot of the stuff that I'm doing with Chris and Casey. And uh, if anybody's ever in the Midland, Michigan area and wants to stop into the studio... Drop me a line and uh, come on. We're you know we're always doing tours and everything, and you guys can come and meet the guys, and uh, we can uh, we can meet up and do that. Awesome. Well, like I say, we really appreciate it, and um, we'll have this up just as soon as possible. We'll give all the information with uh, with all of Aaron's information, um, you know, in the show notes and everything like that. And we are hoping. You know, depending on Aaron's schedule, to have him up to our camp, do a, a bear hunt with us uh, oh, up yeah. here coming up in uh, early fall. So we'll see if uh, the powers that be allow that to happen. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I hope I can get up there. Like I said, I've got 11 points. I've been waiting 11 years to get my Michigan bear tag in. It hasn't happened yet. It'll be yet. a great time, man. <laughs> it will. I, I hope we can do it. Awesome. Well, if that's the case, you'll be uh, looking for uh, – our our camp on uh, one of, one of Aaron's platforms there, albeit Rival Wild, or maybe just on his YouTube channel. But it'll be much higher production value than uh, <laughs> no. what you're used to seeing. <laughs> yeah, if if I do get to come up, I am bringing a cameraman, and we're we're shooting it for TV. I I, I want to get that Michigan, you know, bear camp atmosphere and and bear hunting because that's that. Like I said, we talked about this whole podcast the last two hours. It's the uniqueness and in, in, in your atmosphere and where you're at. And I really want to capture that and, and show everybody all that. So it's pretty cool. I can't wait to do it. Cool. Awesome. Well, we will uh, certainly be uh, keeping the listeners informed as we go forward. And uh, we're looking forward to doing some more collaborations with you in the future, but we really appreciate it. I think that's all we got for today. So, all right. Thanks again.
sit down.